Hello, and welcome to CAA Conversations. We're here today with Jesse Vanderlaan and Melissa Haviland. Jesse Vanderlaan is an instructor of art at Walters State Community College in Morristown, Tennessee, teaching art appreciation in person and online, as well as drawing and printmaking. She is a practicing artist, mom, and is currently expecting her second baby. Melissa Haviland is an artist and professor living in Athens, Ohio, where she teaches printmaking, papermaking, and online art appreciation courses. And they're going to be talking today about teaching online. And without any further ado, I'm going to hand the conversation over to these two. Thanks so much, Ellen. Thanks for having us, Ellen. Well, I guess I'll start. Um, I've been teaching online for four or five years now, at least. Um, I primarily currently teach art appreciation online, and I also teach it in person, so I can talk a little bit about that comparison. And I don't know if you want to say a little bit about what you're teaching, Melissa? Yeah, I've been um, teaching online um, since 2007. So uh, I'm about to teach my 18th class online. I teach specifically art appreciation, which we call seeing and knowing the visual arts. Um, and I originally uh, started to teach online as a way to, you know, basically pick up some extra income from my university, but fell in love with it pretty much almost instantly. Um, uh, I've never taught this class in, in classroom, so only ever online. So it's sort of a specific and very interesting perspective on it, I think. Yeah, and one thing that um, Melissa and I talked a little bit before this interview, and I think one thing that we both agreed one of the reasons we like teaching art appreciation and teaching online is that um, our main focus in our teaching is with our art majors, but art appreciation is specifically for non-art majors. So um, my art appreciation students, I usually, if I give them a survey of, you know, if they've ever been to a gallery or museum, there's, you know, like one in 20 that has. So it's a much... Um, it's really starting at the at the basics, and I think that's one of the exciting things and one of the challenges of the online format is is really trying to give them both a broad understanding of art, but also giving them all the tools to be able to talk about it and kind of understand it and and really literally follow what the course title is, which is just to give them a little sense of appreciation and a sense of access um, yeah. that many of them don't think they have or don't think they're able to have coming into it? My student population is almost identical. I would say that, yeah, about one in 20 have been in an art museum in their life. Um, and that was their one trip to like the big city in their state or something, you know, or uh, it was with school when they were in junior high. Um, and I, I, my one single goal, if I had one with art appreciation, is just to make them not afraid of art. Like, to go to it and be able to, like, just look at it, see it, and talk about it. You know, like, not be, like, turned away by it. Like, they go to it and they're, they could be interested, right? Yeah, absolutely. I always say, like, at the end of the semester, if I get one email that's, like, oh, I noticed something around me differently than I had before this class. Then I'm like, <laughs> feel really <laughs> successful <laughs> at, um, at what we've done. So I think some of the 
the things that are exciting about teaching online, one of the reasons that I like it, um, especially comparing it to my in-person class is I think, especially in a topic that's new for them and students don't feel like they have enough education to have an opinion is, is the discussion sessions that we do is that they are much more open in those discussion sessions online than they are in person. They're not as afraid to say their opinion. They're not as afraid to elaborate on their opinion. They're not as afraid to disagree with one another within that discussion forum. Um, and again, it's really neat to see in those discussions when they're writing about a work of art that we're looking at, um, to see them respond to one another saying, oh, I hadn't looked at, I didn't notice that when I first looked at that piece. And now I read what you wrote and I can see, you know, that idea too. So I think that in thinking about why we offer this class to a general population, it's really evident that it's just about them kind of opening their eyes and developing some critical thinking and developing some agency to look at something and form a response and learn how to express that, whether it's a work of art or anything. Um, I think it's just a tool that they, my students at least, I don't think have had very often before. Like they're used to a lot of repeating the answer that has been provided for them. So I think they experience a sense of being able to formulate their own answers. And that's um, something that comes through much more in my online class than my in-person class where they're a little bit more shy when there's a group of eyes looking yeah. at them, they're trying to talk. That makes sense. I think it's interesting um, that they're able to, I guess what it is is just, you said agency, I think that's a really exciting word to use. Um, uh, and I think it's true, it's like they, they are able to, you know, synthesize some of the things that they see uh, eventually, you know, and just to be, you know, critical of the things we see is, is, is sort of a new thing for some of them. And I, and that is a, is, it, I see it all the time in my on, online classes. So uh, being able to, I, I do a lot of um, essays within my class. Uh, um, I'm about to step into doing my first uh situation where it'll be about 200 students, uh, which I've never been that high before. So I will not have as many essays in the fall as I have in the past. But uh, that is, I've actually had some that make me weep. Like they're, you know, they're maybe not the world's best writing, but like to know that they came from never having seen art to being able to like really critically appreciate things and you know they don't even have to like it uh which is uh that's a super liberating discussion to have with them online is like oh no you don't have to like it you just need to break it down you know you need to be able right. to think about it and uh consider it and yeah yeah we're not talking about liking everything you see you think i like everything you see you know i see right. it's a, you know it's a it's a fabulously um liberating thing i think to them to realize that it's it's just about seeing and thinking about it. Yeah, and I think it's um, something that encourages them. I feel like it expands their vocabulary. Like as I, I look as like they write over the course of the semester or talk about things and, um, you know, just taking simple things that like line and shape and color and saying like, okay, so like you have this 
gut impression of, you know, what this is about or what this means, like, why is that? Like, oh, it's because of these, like, really simple elements and just kind of being able to break that down, but then also, like, build that back out to a larger vocabulary of adjectives, you know, beyond just, you know, like, well, what kind of sense of happiness or, like, if this is about, if you feel like this is about love, like, what is that? what about love? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it scary? Is it, you know, and I, I think getting to, to kind of dissect even further. Um, and also just, but just see some simplicity of things like just see like why we look at sunsets as beautiful is that contrast between those two colors and like this moment of, um, you know, of flux of like where something is different than how we see it all day long. And I think giving them some sense of that, all of that, you know, is kind of within their power to, to see and notice is pretty exciting. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder, so I really like teaching online. Um, and I always have, and I meet a lot of people who, um, who don't like their teaching online or think that it's a disservice to the student. And sometimes I wonder if it's because I teach art appreciation, because it is truly like magical to teach like yeah. uh, some of that to people. Right. You know, like at least to me, it is, you know, as an artist, like I remember my first few trips as a kid to the art Institute of Chicago. And I remember those moments of change, you know, so I think about those when I'm, when I'm reading their essays or responding to them. And um, so sometimes I wonder, I'm like, hmm, if I was teaching something else online, would I feel the same? But maybe anything I'm that engaged with, right, would be um, that engaging, you know, hopefully to them, right? Uh, I, I also really think that teaching online, and we've taught, we talked about this in our discussion, it just allowed um, me to access not just students that are non-majors, but just students who are alternative students, you know, and, uh, you know, those who needed um, a different format or schedule, and then that fitting with my alternative format and schedule. So, like, I remember specifically being on a road trip cross-country, and I would have to find good internet every second day um, to be able to sit down and really answer their emails and grade papers and uh, and how liberating it was to be able to sit out like in a peach orchard in Colorado and grade, you know, and that was so different than being tied to school physically, right? And um, uh, I and then I knew they were doing the same thing. Either they were traveling or they were being able to, you know, hang with their kids during the day and be able to, you know, do their papers at night or, you know, just having that alternative format was uh, that allowed me to teach very differently and think very differently and hopefully, you know, give access, uh, which I is, you know, one of the benefits. Yeah, I think that. Um, I think there are definitely some, you know, there's some goods and some bads about online classes. I think, um, you know, ironically, there's sometimes students that will, you know, email me three weeks into the semester and they're like, well, I just don't have very good internet connection at home. And I think, what advisor put you in this class? You know, sometimes they take an online class not realizing how much they're going to have to be online. And I think, you know, sometimes, especially younger students, don't necessarily make enough of a block of time you know they kind of 
I think the downside, I think, of why people get frustrated with teaching online is that when there's a physical classroom meeting, it's apparent to everyone how much time the course is going to take. And that's much more fluid in an online class. But I also think that fluidity is the point. And as Melissa said, the I just, you know, for any of its downsides, I think like, well, there's, you know, I've had so many single moms and, you know, working parents and, you know, older students and just this whole batch of students that would never have made it into a physical classroom that are, you know, furthering their education and getting to think about these ideas. And so that's, um, that makes it so worthwhile. I also think, I think the reason that, you know, again, when people say like, oh, they hate teaching online is, I think there's definitely some things I've learned over the years in doing it that make it better. And I think part of it is, you know, having, you know, having good organization, like really spending the time on the front end to make the course site, like really build that out so that like their questions can be answered. They can find things easily so that, cause you know, the advantage of an in-person class is that you have this huge mass of content, but you get to like parcel it out a little bit at a time. And in an online class, it's kind of showing everything all at once. And I think it can be really overwhelming um, to students. And I've toyed with both, um, you know, having start dates of things. So things only kind of come out a little bit at a time. But again, thinking about those students with their alternative schedules, I've steered away from that. I like them to be able to move forward at their whatever pace works for them and not be yeah. kind of halted by the pacing of the class. But that just really requires the site to be really, you know, both broad in having all the information they could possibly need, but also consolidated in terms of it being organized and being clear yeah. where to find that information. Um, and I've also just, I've incorporated, I've thought about like, what are those little asides or little kind of moments that happen in the classroom that are maybe not like a big assignment, but that really help clarify an idea. And so I've incorporated a lot of just like little smaller assignments that are, you know, smaller, both in time they take to complete amount of points that they are given for them they don't take a lot of time for me to grade, you know, like they are smaller, but they're things that really help clarify issues. I have them do some things where they're taking pictures and posting them um, of different kind of elements and, you know, examples of color, examples of different types of space or shape. And um, one, it just helps me see that they're actually understanding what we're talking about as opposed to just being able to regurgitate a definition, but it's also a little bit more interactive. It helps, you know, create some of that sense of back and forth that we would have in the classroom that I think is sometimes what educators miss about an online class is they don't, they don't feel that sense of back and forth. It feels kind of yeah, one dimensional. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I've done similar things, and I think that they're key to just keeping everybody, everything fresh, you know, yep. so people, like, are really, you know, they're sort of, like, being able to do one thing on the fly, at least, and, but they really have to think about this one aspect of, I don't know, composition. Yeah, I agree. I think those are really important. Um, one of the things interesting that I just uh, started to observe um, here at Ohio University is I've been working with a scholars group for women. Um, so in their freshman year, we court them into this program, and it's a grueling process for them to get in. And it's truly like 20 of the best freshman women on campus that get in, and they stay in for the four years. And I would say that 80% of these freshman women that I meet through the process of the application process, which is like a cup, you know, it could be 150 a year that I meet, like 80% of them are taking an online class while they're taking their in-classroom classes. So they'll take one of their general education classes, just like the one I teach online, um, so that it will free up their physical schedule. Um, yeah. and it's very, very conscious and it's very, um, some of them gravitated towards themselves, you know, they did it themselves and some of them sort of followed the lead of their advisor, but it's very interesting to see that. Um, I sort of always thought that it was the alternative student and it's not the case at all. It's a genuinely a mix. Um, here we have sort of, uh, we actually have an online university section of our university. So those are very specific students, you know, and those are only, they only take things online. Um, uh, and our students on campus aren't allowed to take those online classes. They take other ones. So it's, so it's a little, Little bit um, we have we have two sort of groups to observe to see the sort of the differences but um, definitely a ton of sort of standard students um, here take online classes all the time yeah ours does too. I, ours is very mixed especially at the community college level I mean our just our base is so mixed from the beginning um, and so yeah when I'm advising with my students, they, yeah, a lot of times they kind of figure out what are the classes that they could probably do online and what are the classes that they really are going to need that classroom presence for. And um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a broad variety. And our school um, does a lot with technology and a lot, I mean, I think even our in-person classes we do, we utilize our online tools quite a bit. Um, and, and so I think that they're just, they're really comfortable with that format. I have, again, I still always have some of the students that, you know, don't quite seem, you know, completely computer literate. And I, I wonder why they're on an online class, but for the <laughs> most part, it's so, it's so part of their vernacular that, um, again, as long as they manage their time well, it it works out really, really well for them. And that's, um, you know, the, the biggest problems I ever have with my students is, is just, you know, making sure that they're managing their time and that, you know, so, um, I think one of the hardest challenges too is addressing concerns, you know, I think in an in-person class, you know, when someone doesn't complete an assignment and they come and, tell you why or tell you whatever their excuse or story is, is it's, it's pretty easy to discern very quickly 
you know, who is genuine and who's, you know, been a genuine hard worker and who's kind of making stuff up. And that can be a little bit trickier online. So it's trying to give that same amount of compassion, but also fairness that I do in the classroom is something that I'm always kind of weighing of, you know, trying to, you know, give extensions when they're merited, but not, you know, kind of let people always, you know, again, helping them to teach their in person, their, uh, their time management skills, you know, that they can't yeah. just do anything whenever. Um, yeah, it's much different in reading them through an email. <laughs> it's, it's not the same. Um, I, yeah, and I can negotiate with them, you know, so differently. Just like you said, with the curriculum, you can navigate it in, in more subtle ways, right? Well, in the classroom. Um, I, yeah, in person, it's just that way. Um, I, but I do like that uh, sort of part of me sort of adores the impersonalness of it, too, sometimes, because it's a... Um, it can just be about the discussion. Um, it's not veiled by anything else. You know, I don't know anything about these people. I've never seen, you know, seen them. I know their name, you know, uh, though sometimes I'm grading sort of disassociated from even that, which is interesting. Um, and I like that. It sort of um, allows me to check biases or consider things or, you know. Um, uh, it, people are really like, uh, graded exactly on what they give <laughs> to the yeah. course. Yeah, no, I definitely, in my grading as much as possible, when I have the option to kind of grade by question by question, rather than student by student, I try to do that because it does, then you kind of lose the names and you're just, yeah, like I said, really shedding any of those biases that we hope we don't have, um, but, you know, know that they come through or, you know, in whatever way. And so it's, it is really refreshing just to really know at the end of the semester that, um, that every grade has really been like earned really appropriately, you know, that like maybe they had one really good essay one week and a really terrible one the next week. And you're not kind of, bumping up the bad one because you remember they did so well the first time you know, like all those things it just it, you know it's really kind of honest in that way and I appreciate that and I but I do try to do again like it's it's bridging that gap of like I my class is much smaller I have a like a typical classroom size class like I might teach two sections of our appreciation but I have but they are separate from one another so I might have 50 online students in a semester, but I have two sections of 25 students. Um, and so I do, in the beginning of the semester, I do a few different kind of like introductory activities where I do get a little bit of their background information, but again, it's, and sometimes I'll remember some of those things throughout the semester, but it doesn't get implanted and attached um, the same way it would in the classroom, uh, but it is helpful as the semester is going on and as things are coming up to be able to kind of go back to that information and kind of recognize who has, you know, what other things on their plate and, and also just to cultivate in the beginning of the semester, that sense of accountability for the students, for them to be able to say like, oh, like, this person is reading a little bit about me and responding to that. And so just that 
that they have a little bit deeper sense of connection that they know I'm a person too and not just like an automated machine grading their work. So yeah, yeah, that you feel like they know that you're there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, no. Yeah, I think on average I have had in my 17 times of teaching it, I think on average is about 50 students if I was to, you know, add it all up and divide. Um, but so fall is definitely going to be an extreme uh, break for me from that too. And I will have a number of uh, teaching assistants that teach under me, basically. So they will deliver they will it'll be my curriculum I'll be the professor and they'll they'll do the grading of the assignment so I'll I'll meet with them once a week and corral them and you said you um, are writing curriculum for adjunct faculty correct is that or at least giving yeah, so um, I right now we have a program um, that we follow at my school that is based off a national program called quality matters um, yeah, gone through the quality matters stuff yeah yeah, and which has been really, if you know, for people that are thinking about teaching online or adding it in, I've I found it really helpful. Like the the first course I took was a little bit mm, more tedious, um, but the second one I took that was really about how to implement. Basically, the Quality Matters program is kind of a series of rubrics of making sure that you are developing a course that is, um, you know, has the student in mind, has good organization, that the course objectives align with the assignments you're asking them to do, that it just, it gives a lot of transparency to the course. Um, and the most recent one I took was basically kind of helping you design your course to quality matter standards. Um, and it was really helpful and it just has, it's, it's had some little helpful bits and things that I've incorporated. Um, I agree. What I'm doing right now is developing the QM course for art appreciation that will, um, then most likely serve as kind of a shell for any of our adjuncts that are teaching art appreciation. So, um, it'll be, you know, certainly they'll still be able to kind of you know, alter content, make discussion sessions that, you know, yeah, yeah. fit their ideas a little bit better, things like that. But the kind of the organization and the kind of overall sense of how the course should run um, will be based on this kind of master class um, that I developed. So that's been nice too of thinking about not only making it transparent for the students, but making it transparent for another instructor to figure out what's going on and yeah, especially adjunct that might be, you know, reasonably new to teaching this course, right? I, I, that sounds um, uh, really exciting. I'm very excited to work with a group of uh, teaching assistants. Um, at um, We used to be in quarters, quarter system at Ohio University, and so we used to teach a lot more. I used to teach a ton. And um, I used to teach, sci my students got to teach a lot more too. And um, so very often I teach the same foundations class as my students. And so we'd run these sort of like weekly curricular uh, check-ins um, and I miss those. And so this I'm hoping is sort of uh, a way for me to sort of rekindle that sort of like teaching, teaching for students, or, you know, for the TAs. Yeah, I just think, to me, I think that so many 
I think as Melissa said earlier, you know, a lot of people you run into are like, oh, I hate Tisha online, but they kind of, they kind of do it because either they're adjuncts and that's like the only work available. So they just like, you know, take any little dribble they can, you know, or it's kind of just a requirement and they kind of view it as the, the necessary evil or something. And I just, I'm, I just think that we need to know that like online teaching isn't going to leave. Like, I think we just, (laughs) and so I think like better to think of like, how can we make this a more positive experience? And to me, that's exciting. To me, it's exciting to think about instead of like, how can I drag my heels through this experience? Like, how can I make it something that embraces my teaching philosophy that I would give my in-person students, you know, I don't want it to be curriculum the, that you, you want them to have, you know, yeah. I, I think it's completely possible. Um, it's different. Um, but you can still get, they can leave with a similar, um, set of values. Or if that's for lack of a better word about art. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. You've covered all kinds of questions I had about, teaching online, pros, cons, different strategies for uh, being as effective as possible in the online classroom. Super interesting. Thank you both so much. 